Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. I wanted to come back today and talk to us just really about kind of what a recap is of what we talked about in the beginning of the year on Vision Sunday. There are some things I shared with us at the beginning of the year and uh, they were really foundational for us for the year and for where we were headed. And we've just seen God do some incredible things uh, in some people's lives over the course of this year. And uh, in fact, I'm going to share just a few of those with you here. They're going to be just some testimonies. I'm going to start with one. And maybe you know some of these people. Maybe you don't. That's okay. Either way, I just want you to grab hold of uh, this fact that these are people that uh, I know them. I know their stories. Uh, there's some, been some tough stuff that they've walked through and they are here still thriving in God, in church, in life. So I'm going to start off with this one. Her name is Kelsey. And it says, 2017 was so rough for me, I didn't think I'd make it to 2018. That's really hard to say, but it's true. I had completely hit rock bottom with depression and anxiety just consuming my life. At the time, I couldn't step into the church I had called home for six years without my anxiety getting so high, I felt faint. My church fam didn't give up on me and would pray over me even though I was a crying, panicking mess. The Lord guided me through and gave me the word hope for this year. There was so much I was going through, I really felt there wasn't any hope to hold on to. However, after I started to heal, I felt the Lord was calling me to share my story. I stepped out in obedience and shared it with whoever would listen. After sharing my story, I've been able to be a vessel and help so many who've been suffering alone. After getting through the darkest point of my life in God, God didn't stop there. The Lord guided me to my biological father who had no idea I even existed. I had prayed I would meet him in this lifetime for as long as I can remember. And shortly after finding out about me, he and his family picked up their entire life and moved here to be close to me. Since then, there has been blessing upon blessing. 2018 has had some rough times, but there is not one mountain that he has not moved. Through every disappointment he has restored and brought blessings, I'm so thankful for the blessings I've received and look forward to what God has in store. Praying hands emoji. Isn't that good? Uh, We started off this year talking about expectation, living a life of expectation. Every year we kind of theme out the year for Grace Avenue Church, a verse, a particular theme, something that we're all as a church going to rally around kind of as a word or as a theme, just just to kind of help each other stay on track. And we really feel it's a word that God kind of gives us for the year. Every year around September, October, I just kind of like I bury down and start hearing uh, a little bit clearer what the Lord is kind of showing us for the upcoming year. And this last particular year was about expectation. Expectation is tough, though, when your idea of expectation is that everything's going to work out and go in your favor. And that's not what expectation is. For, for Kelsey, that amazing story uh, was a life lived with expectation for 30 years, hoping she would meet her dad. That ended up happening. But to live with expectation, I want to break that down a little bit more for us and help us understand. Expectation is an element of our faith. It is grounded and founded in our faith. Uh, From now until the day I die, faith is my responsibility. It's not just somebody's responsibility for me. It's not God's responsibility for me. It's my responsibility in this life to God, who he is, what he says, to live that out. I'm always responsible for my faith. Think about it like this. When Jesus talked to Peter... He, he prays over him this phrase. He said this, Peter, I have prayed that your faith may not fail you. Yeah. 
He didn't say, Peter, I have prayed that your finances and your hairline will not fail you. He didn't say, I pray that your favorite team would not fail you. I didn't pray that your dreams would not, that would, your dreams won't fail you. I mean, these weren't personal things he was going to. He went, I pray that the core of your being, your faith, will not fail you in times when it's being tested and you feel like a failure or you feel like you're failing or you feel like life is failing you. An expectation uh, is kind of defined like this. It's a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. A strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future, right? So that's not genie in a lamp mentality. It's not that I'm going to do this and then all this is going to work out, okay? We prosper in God all the time as we live in God, but that doesn't always mean that everything around us looks prosperous. But if we're holding on to faith, we're prospering. We're growing in and through what's happening, what's coming against us, what's working against us. And I used a couple of verses this, earlier this year to kind of help um, uh, give kind of like anchors to what I'm talking about. The first one's Isaiah 30, 21. And this is a verse that's guided Janelle and I for many, many, many years. I mean, as early as when we first got married, I remember this verse being just very key uh, in her life. And we, we both use this. Uh, but it's whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. So key. Uh, so key to be living a life of faith, to know that, you know, whether you're looking to the right or to the left, you don't necessarily know what the decision is going to be or you don't know what God has next. Nevertheless, a voice from behind you, God saying, this is the way, walk in it. That's a faith element for us. It's having ears to hear, like Jesus said. He who has ears to hear and eyes to see. This is listening for what God may be saying or directing Jeremiah 33, 3 is another one. God says, call to me, I'll show you great and mighty things that you do not know. So powerful because, first of all, it's God saying, I want you to call to me. I don't want you to call Google on this one. I don't want you to call three friends to go to Starbucks on this one. I don't want you to call grandma or mom about this one. I want you to call to me so I can show you great and mighty things. What, you're never going to do that if there's no faith element operating in your life that, that gets you over the line to actually call out to God. So and this is something I've grown in, right? Because the easiest thing for me is to call somebody else who's been through it. Still, there, there's challenges that, that we all face. I face them. And the first thing I, I think of is, well, who's already gone through something like that? Oh, they went through something like this. Let me just call them before I even go to God about the very thing that I'm getting godly advice on. It's like I'm going to someone who's a source for the source. So why not just go to the source first and then let the source of the source confirm what the source already said? That make sense? Are you confused? Are y'all still thinking about that genie and me rubbing him and all that? Like, like, Call to me, I'll show you great and mighty things that you do not know. There's the second part of this verse that we have to grab hold of and say, wait a minute. There's something that I don't know. This is where humility has to kick in in our life. We don't know everything about what's next. We don't know what's next for the season. We don't know. Now, we have our plans, but there's the truth and the reality that we are facing things that we don't necessarily know. And just because we get there doesn't necessarily mean we know how to handle it all. 
And this is the humility element that keeps our faith grounded in who God is, in him not being the genie in the lamp, and him still being God in the midst of whether or not things go the way I wanted them to or thought they would go. He's still Lord of all, Lord above all. Expectation is this. It's somehow, some way, believing and knowing that God is going to take whatever is going on in my life, whatever's happening in the season, and he's going to use it for his glory and use it for his purpose. It means my pain doesn't have to be wasted. It means my confusion can find direction. It means my, my loss can find value in him. But I have to have eyes to see that. It's living with a sense of expectation. What comes to destroy expectations? Circumstances, right? Life circumstances. What else comes? Affliction, mental, emotional, financial, just you get hit with things. Opposition, you, you face resistance. You're trying to push uphill. You feel like you're being pushed downhill. Trouble, turmoil, tribulation, all these things come to really just take out your legs, take out your faith, take out even the sense of belief and the sense of expectation that God is here. Some of you need to hear this this morning. God is right here where you are in your darkest moment. He is right here. You don't have to ask him where he is. He's right here. And he hears you and he sees you. He's with you in the brokenness. He's with you in the confusion. He's with you in the suffering. He's with you in the question marks. And you don't have to know what's going on. You just need to know he's with you. Information, it, information and education doesn't give you as much comfort as you think it will. We're struggling with a doctor. We don't, we don't know what they're going to say. We, we don't go, okay, when you find out, you're really going to feel good about that? If I ever get sick, I'm going to be like, I don't even care what it is. Just pray me through it. <laughs> What's the treatment? I don't care. Just pray me through it. We'll do the treatment. Just tell me, what, what are you sick with? I don't know. I'm sick with something. I'm dying. But hey, I just want to make sure that I'm healed. So pray me through this, will you? I, I've just seen too many times where, where people think that, that the information is the final answer for everything that they need. Once the information comes, you still need faith to gird you and strengthen you through the information that's like a mountain overshadowing you with bad news. By the way, that was not medical advice, by the way. Don't, don't say My pastor said, don't, just shut up, doctor. Don't tell me what you say. I need doctors. I got Jesus. No, I'm not saying that. Okay. Look, long before uh, Grace Avenue Church started, about 10 years ago, I wrote down some things that really describe who we are as a culture. This was before Grace Avenue Church existed, and I wrote these things down in a season where I did not even know Grace Avenue was ahead. I wrote these things down, and when I looked at them earlier this year before Vision Sunday, I realized they really are the heartbeat and the pulse of Grace Avenue Church. It's kind of like the DNA of what makes us who we are. And so earlier in the year, I looked at them when I read them. I was kind of shocked because I thought, wow, this is a culture that was in my heart before it all unfolded. I had expectation before I had realization. I had expectation for God to do something. I was writing those things down. I didn't even look at them for 10 years, opened them up earlier this year, found them in an old Gmail address, tracked it down, looked at those things. I thought, man, this is the heartbeat of our culture. So I read those things on Vision Sunday, and now I want to read those to you again because, like I said, sometimes the old phone that you treated so precious can become almost secondhand to you. And if there's anything that we need to treat with preciousness, it's the church of Jesus Christ. 
this gathering and this community of who God says we are, of what God is doing, of all that God is birthing and changing and transforming in people's lives. So here's the first thing I wrote down, not knowing that this is who we would be. The first one was a culture that invites people of all nations into its doors. I didn't know what that meant at the time. In fact, it was so big and broad and wordy. I was like, okay, well, what, what is this? I just wrote it down. But when I think about it now in the context of where we are in 2018 and how divided the world is and how there are factions and segregation and racism and political factions and hatred and division and hostility between people, I say, now more than ever does the church need to shine the light on the world that God loves the world. Not just a political party. Not just one race. Not just one city. Not just one country. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Not God so only loved Republicans or Democrats or independents that he gave his only begotten son. Happy holidays. This is our message for today. (laughs) What I'm trying to say is we're supposed to be a globally minded church. For God so loved the neighborhood, no. God so loved the street, no. God so loved the state, no. God so loved the country. God so loved the world. What I'm saying is we have to be a globally minded church. Our culture has to be globally minded. This is what's prompted us over the years to help missionaries and to plant churches in other countries where we'll never go. But we've sowed life and resource into them. This is why we're going to Guatemala. This is why we've helped Haiti and Cuba and Mexico and the different places that we plant in churches because God loves the world. I want to talk about two words there that we want to focus on for that first point. Invite is the first one. A culture that invites people of all nations into its source. Let's think about that word invitation. Invitation is something that opens opens the door to New relationships being birthed, new transactions taking place, meals being shared, coffee being shared, conversation starting. It starts with invitation. You invite someone, someone invites you. Jesus, when we look at his life, he was a great inviter. So funny. He would invite people to follow them, and they would say yes, and then he would invite himself over to their house to eat. He had a good plan there. It's like, okay, I'm going to save you, and then you're going to feed me. That's a pretty good deal. And so Jesus was always inviting people to follow him and then inviting himself to eat with him and inviting himself into their life and inviting people to follow him and inviting people to know him. So if Jesus was doing that, how much more should we be doing that? being great inviters into people's lives, people who are not living with closed doors and walls and locks and keeping people out, but a culture of invitation. Jesus was a great inviter. Second word is nations. Again, like I said, why nations? Because God loved the world. Have you ever wondered what heaven might look like? I know some of you think it'll be a stream of your favorite team's jersey, but unfortunately... It's going to be broader than that. It's going to be bigger than that. Look at Revelation 7, 9. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. Come on. This is the prophetic voice of the Lord speaking through John as he's writing Revelation. There before me was a great multitude that no one could count. All right? Cowboy Stadium could fit 100,000 people in there. You can look at that and say, that's a lot of people, right? Okay? This is a multitude that no one could count. 
from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Can, can you get for a second in your mind what it's going to be like to stand in a multitude before the Lamb of God, before the throne of our heavenly creator? With a multitude that we can't count, full of people from every nation, every tribe. I'd say that's a pretty big vision for the world. I'd say that's bigger than Republicans, Democrats, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, Oompa Loompas, whoever you are, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is heaven's going to be diverse. More diverse than probably I even can imagine. Filled with people that I didn't even, maybe people I didn't even think would even get to heaven. Because my grace is limited when God's grace is sufficient and endless. Eternity is going to be bigger than who you know and agree with. If you hang around Grace Avenue Church, there's a culture here of people from different places, different spaces, different backgrounds, different upbringings. I mean, just our grow class alone. I'll, I'll ask the question, how many of you grew up Baptist and Catholic and Methodist and Pentecostal? And I'll have hands from every going up. There's just so many different upbringings. So I want you to understand our culture is not trying to get a perfect group of people to believe everything that Daniel believes, and then we're all good to go. Or everything Daniel and Janelle and the team and the staff believe, and then we're set. No, there are cultural things that are going to cause friction. There are things in our culture that some may agree with. Say, man, I'm just telling you what the word of God is clear on. We can be clear on what the word of God is not clear on. I can't be clear on but I can try and give you God's heart in this situation. And you may not like that. You may not like that. You may like it. I don't know. I'm hoping you do. Nevertheless, we're a culture that invites people of all nations. We need to have a worldview. We need to pray for the world. We need to see through the lens of the world of what's going on. It's a big planet. Jesus came to save it all. Number two, a culture that equips people to lead and be effective in all spheres of life. This is an equip people for life culture. This is so important to us. Paul said this, I pray that you prosper, your soul prospers. I'm sorry. He says, I pray that you prosper in all things as your soul prospers. He was saying, I want you to prosper spiritually, but I also want your life to prosper. I want it to grow. And so we want to equip people to do life in this culture. In Grace Avenue Church, what, what good of it, good is it if I'm a pastor who can help you grow in your knowledge of the word and grow in your worship, but your parenting is awful and your finances are awful and you have self-defeating habits and behaviors that you are wrecking things with consistently or every time you start something, it ends up in a blaze of glory that you're leaving out of it. There's something that you can't see about yourself that is part of the cause of what's going on there. What good am I if we as a culture can't help you overcome some of those things? We haven't equipped you for life. And many times I've seen growing up churches were great at giving people one lane to be really good and solid in. Prayer, Bible, worship. Great lane. But that has to be applied into our parenting, our finances, how we treat people in society, how we respond to being mistreated in society, how we handle stress, all of these things. Why I'm saying this is because every area of your life says something about Jesus, not just church on Sunday. How I handle traffic, that says something about my faith in Jesus. And God knows I'm still working on some things. Lord, help me. Right? 
how I handle my finances, how I parent, how I treat people. People who can do something for me and people who can't do something for me. These are all areas of the heart where we're looking at and God is looking at and we're trying to help people be equipped for life. I asked this question earlier. What good are we as a church if we have nothing to say about the areas of your life that need help, hope, or healing? We're not putting spiritual band-aids on people. We're trying to see people healed, helped, and made whole. See them overcome. See them grow from beyond the things that are trying to hold them back. Here's number three. A culture that's committed to living out a devoted and passionate relationship with Jesus Christ. This is, this is foundational for us. This is, not, um, this is a devoted and passionate culture. This is not uh, a Christian social gathering where we just get our praise on and high five and then go eat and then we'll see you next week. We are a culture that is aiming to live out our lives in a way where we're responding to Jesus daily, moment by moment sometimes, devoted. See, a church is a great place where people come and respond in emotion, but Jesus is looking for devotion. Emotion is a great place to start. Devotion is the follow-through to what we feel stirred about in church what we feel stirred about when we're at coffee with someone from Grace Avenue, what we feel when we're serving on a team with someone and someone helps us overcome something or helps us see something about ourselves that we didn't know. Second Corinthians says, Jesus died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. It doesn't sound like Jesus is looking for part-time help in winning people to himself. It looks like he's encouraging devotion, and calling people to devotion. Me as a man, me as a leader, me as a pastor, me as a father, me as a friend, all these areas of my life, not just the one lane that I really want people to see, but all the areas of my life, God is, is looking for that devotion. Some go really fast and I gain a lot of ground, and then others over the years, God has been working on. God has worked on through time. That's the beauty about being devoted is you get to see the progress of God's grace over time. So if you're not there right now, hey, who knows if you'll ever be there? I don't know if I'm there. I know I'm devoted every day. I'm not where I used to be. I'm taking ground, and I'm watching God do phenomenal things in me and through me thanks to devotion. Um, here's the fourth one. A culture that understands that loving one another is the evidence that God is leading our lives. Let me say that again. A culture that understands that loving one another is the evidence that God is leading our lives. What that is, is that's living selflessly. That's loving people who don't believe what you believe. That's loving people who may worship Jesus, may not worship Jesus, people of a different political persuasion, different opinion than you. And I, I mean, who knows? Who knows if we all sat down here, if we all agree with each other, I really doubt it. <laughs> I know this, we'd all agree on this. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. His word is a two-edged sword. It cuts to bone and marrow, showing us the condition of our life and heart. I would say that we would agree that the Holy Spirit lives in us and his life is being worked out of us. I would say that all of us are on a journey. I would say that grace is sufficient for you and for me. I would say God is a healer. I mean, there's a lot of things that we could cover where we could come to agreement 
But really, where we're really going to come into agreement and live that out is how we love people. This is what Jesus said in John 13. He says, by this love, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Love is not something you can really manufacture. You can manufacture tolerance. You can't manufacture love. Love in Christianity is a work of the Spirit. God working out his grace in you. And one of the best things that I've done when there's people that, I'm telling you, just being honest, when there's people that I I find myself not liking is to remember God loves them. No matter how much I dislike them, God loves them. Those who've wronged me, those who've disagreed, those who've hurt, those who've intentionally tried to do things over the years, you know, I'm going back like a childhood type stuff. Like if you go all the way back and and you could just do a, a referencing of all the people that you did like and didn't like, God still loves them. And the sad reality is all of us somehow have hurt someone else in the same way and someone's thinking about us in the same way that we're thinking about others. And we forget that in our scorekeeping of who we should love and who we shouldn't love. God says we're going to be known by our love. And we can be the busiest people on the planet aiming for our success and our goals, but if we aren't loving, asking God, help me to love the way you love and we're, we're missing the mark. We're missing the mark. We want to be a culture in a church that's known for our love, believing the best about people, believing the best about people. On people's worst day, they should come into a community of Grace Avenue Church, a team, the church, some area in the building, coffee with you, and they should walk away from that coffee believing the best about God, the best about who he says they are. believing the absolute best. On their worst day, after their worst mistake, we should still be believing the best. Because on my worst day, that's the language I want. I don't need to be reminded of how bad I am. I need to be reminded of how good God is. Number five, a culture that embraces the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives. Culture that embraces the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives. These are pretty phenomenal, aren't they? Like from, I mean, this is who we are. This is, this is very much the DNA of, of our church. And um, this is a spirit-led life culture. And you hear me say this verse a lot, and it was so transformational for me and so rev- revelatory for me. John 16, 13 says, when the spirit of truth comes, is Jesus speaking to the disciples before he's about to be crucified, and he's talking to them and telling them that it's good that he goes to be crucified. They're trying to make sense of that. And then he tells them, when I go, the Holy Spirit will come. And he calls him the comforter. He calls him the helper. He said, he's going to lead you and guide you into the truth that you need. See, a lot of us would like to say that we're living truth and we're living true, but there's areas of our lives where we know truth still needs to impact and truth still needs to invade and grace still needs to invade. And that's what the Holy Spirit does is we're not rejected in our areas by God for the areas where we're not meeting the mark. We're loved by God in spite of them. And God's Holy Spirit brings conviction and draws us out of dark, sinful, disobedient, whatever you want to call it, things that are not in line with the life of Christ in us. This is what we call transformation or Bible word sanctification. These these break down these barriers in us that get us to this place where all of a sudden you look back and you think, man, I'm not, look how far I've come. Look, Look at what God has done. 
Look at what a mess I was. Look at where my mind was. Look at where my heart was. Look at where my attitude was. Look at where my anger was. Look at where my depression was. Look where I was living. I was roasting marshmallows, setting up camp, living there in that whole zone. And now I, I'm done. I moved on, but, but I, I forgot that's where I was. And then you realize that, and then you start helping other people because you recognize where you were. You recognize what you settled for. You recognize what you were tempted by. You recognized what you were evading. That's the grace of God. What you're feeling right now, that's the Spirit's presence. That's the presence of God. Speaking, feeding, this is why Jesus said, feed my sheep. He wants his people fed. Not just pet. Fed. To bring nourishment and life to your soul and your spirit so that you walk out of here and you take Monday by the horns and you wrestle that thing down and you go after what God has put in your heart. And you raise that family the way God has called you to raise them. You stop looking around corners saying, who's going to come and rescue me? And you realize God has given you everything you need in him. And he'll provide you what you need. When it comes to a spirit-led life, we're following a person, not a program. It's a person who needs to be engaged with, talked to, worshipped, loved, heard. Psalms 143 says this. Teach me to do your will, for you're my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for level ground to do God's will. Number six, a culture that understands that people are God's most precious possession. That's a generous and sacrificial culture. Why are we generous and sacrificial as a church, as a culture? We're talking about individuals here as the church because everyone has value. Because everyone is deeply loved by God. Because everyone is unique and has a unique story. I've been pastoring people for a very long time. And I'm telling you, I, every time you think you've heard a story and you think it's going to be like the last one, it's not. The pain is different. There's a different reason. It's the same diagnosis. It's a different way people got there. That's why the need for grace and compassion is always, always so necessary because you don't know what God is bringing to you for your ears to hear, for you and your uniqueness to speak life to them and their uniqueness. We just want blanket statements for everybody's life and grace is the, the only blanket we need to worry about that covers sin and brokenness and hurt and pain. But Romans 5, 6 says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This means that somebody who, who isn't even connected in any way, shape, or form to Jesus or church or whatever, Christianity, is still worthy of the same love and the same generosity and sacrifice from my life, not because they believe like me or don't believe like me, but because they're loved by God. We're out of time. We're out of time. Number seven, last one. We've been out of time for like seven minutes. Sorry. Um, A culture that reaches out to the lost, the hurting, the broken, it shows them unconditional love and acceptance. That's a reaching out culture. Churches are a lot of times notorious for having an outreach culture. Holiday outreach. 
Let's go and do something for the community. Those are wonderful efforts that provide help. But I would much rather not just have an outreach culture, but a reaching out culture that is always reaching out, that's not waiting for special times to look to help somebody, that we have eyes to see people who might be in need of encouragement. Look, we're not trying to be everybody's end-all, be-all, save the world. We're just trying to impact with what we can, where we have. We're trying to keep ears to the ground to hear what God may want us to say. In order to have a reaching out culture, it means we can't see people through the labels and the stereotypes that are daily fed to us through media outlets, through factions, through groups, through political parties, through whatever. God loved the world. Heaven will be filled with people that love him and don't agree with everything I agree with. There's a huge opportunity that we have, Grace Avenue. Our our church has never been in a, a better position than it's ever been right now. Just culturally, my life, our marriage, it seems like the storms have blown over for us personally. It just feels like we're finally getting some traction. We're getting some rhythms here. And I'm just peeking my my head above the clouds and starting to realize, look what God has done. I don't even even know half of you. I don't know 80% of you in this room. This is beautiful. We prayed for days like this. We prayed that God would send you and that you would grow and that you would change and that God would feed you and lead you and guide you and that you go and do that for someone else. Prayed for a big church family that God would move in and move through. Just be okay with it being messy sometimes. Be okay with it, somebody getting on your nerves around here. It's not all about you. It's all about Jesus and the Houston Texans. Father, I thank you for. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church, or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.